the Canadian Military History Podcast. Provided by the Royal Regiment of Canada. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Before I get to our first guest today, I would like to acknowledge some of the messages and feedback that have been coming through on Facebook and on the webpage. I have a question from Len Jenk, who says, can I post this to different association sites? And he did post it to the Royal Regiment of Canada, the 48th Hounders, and the 32 Signals Regiment websites, which is great. Yes, anybody can post a link to the website or to the podcast feed, the RSS feed, or the Facebook page. The whole point of this is to get interest and to get some more recording, and hopefully we can get a wider net and a wider variety of guests. Thanks, Len, for that question. I've also got a message from Greg Briggs. He says, I listened yesterday at work. This would have been September 17th. So I listened yesterday at work. I think it went very well. The interesting other remark was that uh, he found it odd listening to his own voice. And that is something you have to get used to in the podcasting world is listening to your own voice. Greg also answered the first question of the week, saying that he listens to the podcast on iTunes. The question of the week from October 1st was, who have you talked to about the podcast? I didn't get any comments or answers, but hopefully people are discussing it. I have spoken to some people, and they did mention that it was being spoken about on parade nights in local armories. So that's that's a real big boost to the project. Thanks a lot. Now I have to peel back the curtain a little bit. I put out a contest to see who would be the first person to sign my guest book. So I said, or the first two people that would sign my guest book. And... I went in to see the guest book after the contest had begun and I noticed that there was nobody there. And as a moderator, what I had to do was go in and approve the comments. So there was a whole bunch of comments in there before the contest was lit. So anyhow, the winners of the contest were Patricia Briggs, Greg Briggs' mom, and Captain David Marshall of 32 Brigade Headquarters. So I hope that they'll visit me on the 16th of November and collect their prize. Wrapping up with two more comments from Facebook, one is one I've added is that on the website I've added an Amazon.ca link. And what that does is basically, if you want to buy something from Amazon, just go to my website first, www.CanadianMilitaryHistoryPodcast.ca, and then find and click on the Amazon link. You'll see a little pop-up that'll say, show all content. Yes, you want to show all content. There's no risk. And then click on Amazon, whatever you choose to buy. I get a very, very small percentage of the purchase, but it doesn't affect your price. So your price doesn't go up, doesn't change anything. The only thing that happens is I get a little piece of that money that would have gone to Amazon had you not clicked on my website. So please, if you're going to buy something from Amazon, maybe you're going to do some Christmas shopping or something of that nature, go ahead and click on that link. Wrapping up with Facebook, I got a message from Scott Gardner. He says, Hey Mike, I want you to know I really enjoyed your first episode. Scott Gardner is from the Two True Freaks Network. He does a whole bunch of podcasts, basically a lot of stuff from movies, science fiction, all that good stuff. So it's great to have a boost from Scott Gardner. And of course, the podcasting rules are that if you say Scott Gardner's name on your podcast, he has to listen. So I hope you're enjoying it again. Moving on to the guest book on the website. I got a message from Patricia Briggs, the mother of Greg Briggs. She says, uh, on September 13th, 
This is a great idea, Mike, and I wish you luck with it. I also want to thank you, my son, and all the other brave women and men of Canada's military who have put and are still putting their lives on the line to make this world a better place. You are so right. We must never forget. So thank you, Mike, for helping us to remember. That's a very nice thing to write. David Marshall, our second contest winner on September 13th, said, Mike, what an awesome venture. I'm looking forward to your first podcast. Best of luck. I've got Greg Briggs here chiming in saying, looking great, buddy. And like I said, Greg Briggs is the typical army buddy. That's just his nature. That's the way his cloth is cut. We've got Len Jenk again saying, very good, Mike. He posted that on September 26th. James Smith, who contributed $20 through my PayPal link, he says, looking good, Mike. We do need to preserve our rich military history. I've got a message from Grant Lawson the RSM of the Queen's York Rangers, and now the RSM of the Royal Hamilton Light Infantry. He says, great project, keep them coming. I got uh, two more posts here, from one from Greg and one from Len. Greg says, great interview, thanks for the chance to talk. And Len says, keep up the good work, Mike. What you're doing is unique. And that's the appeal of it, I think. Anyways, I'm, I'm hoping that it's appealing because it is unique. I've got a message from Corporal Jason Kesa of the Toronto Scottish Regiment. He says, sounds great. I listen to it on the bus on my way to work. And that's the beauty of a podcast. You're not tied down to a computer screen. You can do it while you're working on the car, doing dishes, or anything else on your commute. That's what I do. I drive approximately 40 minutes to work every day and 40 minutes home, and I listen to podcasts on the way there and back. I have a message from Fernando Flores of the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry and also previously of the Toronto Scottish Regiment, and he says carry on, which is the motto of the Toronto Scottish. I've got a message from Major Bruce Mayer, the Deputy Commanding Officer of the Lincoln and Welland Regiment. He's also served with the Hastings and Prince Edward Regiment and with the Toronto Scottish Regiment. He says, great stuff, buddy. Looking forward to participating. And uh, you can look forward to him being a guest on the podcast. So that's everything on my guest book and all my acknowledgments, and now we can move on to introducing our guest for today. Today's guest served in the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. And before we get too crazy here, this is not the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry podcast. It just happens to be that three out of my first six guests are Patricia's. It's just the way it lands. And hopefully I do get to expand into other branches, other arms, other trades, and especially outside of the combat arms. Today's guest is Lieutenant Colonel Cliff Trollope. He served as a platoon commander in the PPCLI and as a company commander. He served overseas in the former Yugoslavia and the Balkan state as a company commander. And he served at the infantry school in Gagetown, New Brunswick as a senior leader. His service with the PPCLI came to a close and he was brought into Canada's Army Reserve as the CO of the Royal Regiment of Canada. I had the pleasure of working with Cliff Trollope during the presentation and consecration of colours for the Royal Regiment of Canada and the Toronto Scottish Regiment, and we do end up discussing that during the podcast. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Lieutenant Colonel Cliff Trollope. Lieutenant Colonel Trollope, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure to be here. You and I met when we were rehearsing for the presentation and consecration of colours for the Royal Regiment of Canada and the Toronto Scottish. Yeah, that was uh, certainly turned out to be a spectacular day. You know, every time I go past Varsity Stadium, uh, I think of that day and the way that the uh, very large parade came together so well. Uh, relatively quickly, and it was quite a cold day. Yeah, it was cold. I think the most significant memory for myself is just the amount of trust that you placed into me after our first encounter when I laid out how I viewed the plan for that parade, and basically just let me go. 
and I really appreciated that trust. Well, you know, uh, trust is something that you earn. I knew you had a good track record. Your plan was uh, very, very sound. I knew that uh, the, the challenge wasn't going to be the plan. It was going to be uh, our ability to execute it. And, and the thing I, I remember when I first started to prepare for that parade, I uh, wasn't at all worried about your plan. I was worried about the sheer volume of words of command I had to give on that day, uh, knowing that it was uh, pretty important. There's going to be a big audience, two regiments on parade. Uh, but it all turned out quite well. It did. It was spectacular. To get into the questions and get straight into the format of the podcast, why did you join the Canadian Armed Forces? Well, my initial attraction to the military in general, and the reason I joined, was through the Royal Military College in Kingston. I, I was a, a high school student in Chatham, Ontario, preparing to go to university, but I wanted additional challenges, and I wanted to attend a, a university or an institution that valued more than just academics. And the more I researched RMC, and the more I was convinced that it might be the place for me, and and I thought I might like to be a military officer. But at the time, I really didn't know anything about the military, what it was like, what I would be getting into, and certainly what I would be doing after RMC. But I knew that that was a good place for me at that point in my life. So in my last years of high school, I just began a focused plan to try to get myself into RMC. As it, and as it turned out, I was a pretty good student. I was also a hockey player and a, and a football player and being captains of those teams in some community service. Uh, I was accepted. My application was accepted. She got early acceptance and I was accepted in March of 1984. And that summer I uh, went away to basic training. But I don't come from a military family. And apart from what I'd seen in movies, I didn't know really anything about it. But I have to say, Soon after arriving at basic training and definitely after I got to RMC, I, I realized at the age of 19 that the, the Army was a very good fit for me. And I was pretty sure at that time that I was uh, I was in for the long haul. So I, I graduated in 1988, received my commission and joined the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. You've kind of touched on one of the follow-on questions. So what were you like when you joined? You know what? I think it's a great question. And maybe too often uh, we don't pause and sort of reflect ourselves on uh, if the military changed us or what the military has done for us. And looking back, I would have to say I was probably a bit of an intense teenager, hardworking young man. uh, But I also really liked to socialize, liked a good party. And I was looking for a challenge, and uh, especially like physical challenges, and I really enjoyed being around like-minded people. That's why I knew pretty early on that the Army was a, was a great fit for me. Uh, it gave me sort of structure, I think, to focus in a focused environment to channel my energies. And looking back, I don't think the Army changed me as much as it provided an environment that fostered and developed uh, who I was. And I would say that that continued throughout my 23 years of regular force service and three years as a reserve unit commanding officer. It was uh, really the the place for me that that took who I was and gave me the environment to, to foster, really. Right. So what was the world like when you joined? When I joined the uh, middle of the 80s, we were entrenched in the Cold War. The Canadian military certainly didn't have the profile that it does today. And I think most Canadians were quite removed and distant from the men and women who served in the military. And there was a general feeling of stability and security here in Canada, even if that wasn't in fact the case if you look worldwide. And many looked at the military as just another job in a relatively uh, stable Canada. 
Right. So what is your most memorable experience in the Canadian Armed Forces? As I'm sure most of your guests say, uh, this is a tough one to answer because there's been so many memorable experiences. But I would have to say, if I have to select one that was memorable and probably the most uh, influential experience, I'd have to go back to when I was a a major with uh, two PPCLI and commanding a rifle company on an operational tour in Dravar, Bosnia. It was 2000-2001. It was not my first tour in that theater of operations. Uh, I'd had the good fortune of spending uh, the vast majority of my career uh, in battalions and with soldiers. I had uh, enough field experience, and I had a spectacular team with me I knew going into the mission. My uh, Sergeant Major, uh, Sergeant Major Blair Neatby, we had been uh, sort of a command team and working together for, for a number of years. And it was interesting when we were at the infantry school, I was a captain, he was a warrant officer, we were running courses together. We eventually both got posted to Winnipeg to the 2nd Battalion. We did an overseas tour when I was the company second in command, and he was the CQMS. We worked very closely there. And then when I became a company commander, he was also promoted and became the sergeant major. We had a really good, solid uh, command team going in, a, a really good, uh, deep and experienced company. And uh, we, we were positioned for success. It, it was a seven-month tour. We had a large company. There were four platoons and uh, all the entire support structure that goes with that in an isolated camp and a relatively active area of operations for that theater. And for me, it was a pure leadership opportunity and, and an experience uh, just to have that degree of responsibility as the commander 24 hours a day, seven days a week for seven seven months. Every day was a challenge and it gave me the opportunity to learn a great deal and to put into practice so much of what I had learned up to that point in my career from strategic analysis to operational planning and tactical execution on a daily basis. And of course, and probably most importantly, uh, command and, and what it really means to provide sustained leadership by example. Uh, over the long term and uh, knowing all along the, the magnitude and responsibility that I had at the, the ripe old age of 34. And there there were some hard days, some tense moments, and I remember some nights uh, getting back to my sleeping area and thinking, wow, I, I made a lot of important decisions today and I sure hope most of them were pretty good ones. <laughs> a pretty complex operating environment. But I, I think in the end it was, was a good tour and I like to think we made a difference in that part of Bosnia. And e- even today in my business life after retirement, apply many of the lessons uh, I was able to learn on that mission. Right. So who was your greatest influence or who was the most memorable character that you've encountered during your service? Yeah, there was uh, there, there were many great people that influenced my my military career, and 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 I would even have to throw into that uh, my wife, who who's been with me uh, for all the the first two years of my 26 years in uniform, and and I know it sounds cliche, but uh, I really could not have done it and served the country the way I did without her support. I, I had many great mentors and role models, both officers and senior NCOs and, and soldiers, private corporals, who all helped me at uh, different points of my service. And for that, I think I've I've been quite blessed. But if I had to pick the one single greatest influence uh, 
I've had, and remember, I had the pleasure of serving under some some great generals. One of your former guests, uh, General Leslie, was was a great example of how to set the mission and do whatever it takes to accomplish it. He had great focus. But if I had to pick the one person, I would have to say it's uh, General Rick Hillier, uh, former Chief of the Defense Staff. When I was a company commander on uh, that tour I mentioned in Bosnia, General Hillier was the divisional commander in theater. He commanded all of southwest Bosnia. While I was a bit removed from him on a daily basis, he often visited the camp, uh, visited the soldiers, often unannounced. Uh, He had close ties to my uh, operation and Throughout that tour, I had the good fortune to have contact with him on numerous occasions and see up close how he operated and how he interacted with people. And then later on, I had additional contact with him when he was the Army commander and later as the CDS and actually into his retirement. And what influenced me, I think, the most was his absolute focus on people, the soldiers, their families, all Canadians, everyone, and how he could always put people first. He he could make everyone feel special, valued, and important. And I think it's one of the traits uh, that, that I got from him and probably one of the reasons that so many people followed him. To me, he epitomized the definition of leadership, the art of influencing others to achieve a common objective. I think some people forget also that he was more than just a dynamic leader. He was also a deep thinker and a visionary with an exceptionally strong determination to achieve the mission and and his vision. And he had a real knack of building strong teams. And why I pick him as probably one of the most influential people I had contact with throughout my career is that not only did he have an influence on the last 10 years of my service, but also a pretty big influence on how I lead and operate in, in business now. The characters, uh, that, that one's uh, a, little bit, uh, a little bit different, and uh, it's very, very hard to pick out any single most memorable characters because there's just been so many of them that uh, really makes military service uh, so much fun. That's right. I would also say is the single thing I miss most about the military since retiring is the people. Uh, I miss the characters and the dedicated, engaged soldiers and the energy that they bring to every situation. And I was taught at a young age in my military career by the uh, senior NCOs who were bringing me through my officer training in, in the 80s. Being an officer and leading soldiers is a privilege. It's something to be taken very serious. And this was reinforced throughout my career, and uh, every day I put on a uniform, I knew that there were people counting on me, and I owed them the best that I could possibly give. Wow, that's great. The final question is, what was the greatest challenge you had to overcome? Up to this point, someone might get the impression that my military career and my military service was all great, and it was, uh, make no mistake about it. But there were some hard times and challenges throughout. Some of them were physical Some were operational, some were related to the stress that regular force service places on families. But I have to say at the macro level, if I just stood back, one of the greatest challenges is something that I would sort of bucket or call keeping the faith or maintaining the strong belief in military service and the whole, is it all worth it? In my career, this was uh, tested a few times. After my first three years of service, uh, with one PPCLI, I was a little bit disillusioned. Many probably were at that time. I was disappointed in the lack of support from government. 
My leaders weren't sort of what I had perceived they should be. I didn't think we had a really good focus on operations, and, and my faith in the institution was, was, was challenged. I realized in hindsight that it was likely just a time and place thing, but it weighed heavy at the time, and I remember thinking, uh, is it worth it? And, and I thought about leaving, but then then I got posted to the infantry school in Gagetown and was completely reinvigorated. The infantry school, I was surrounded by exceptional group of senior captains and senior warrant officers who were highly dedicated and focused military professionals, and it was great. My faith was renewed and largely due to that leadership and focus that I witnessed at the school. But then, like all of these things of challenging the faith, it went through another cycle in the mid-90s when Somalia and the other hard missions and some perhaps unacceptable behavior throughout the Canadian forces uh, by, by some people. And the institution seemed to have lost the confidence of the Canadian public. And for those who served through those times, we knew uh, they'll remember that they were tough, uh, being told uh, not necessarily to go out in public in uniform uh, or certainly not sit for an extended period of time in a restaurant in uniform. We, we were kind of getting beat up in the press and in the public, and it, it was tough. And I remember, again, questioning if I wanted to be part of an institution that was viewed so negatively and may have lost its way. Uh, it was an internal challenge. But again, and fortunately for me, through that period is when I was posted to a 2PPC ally in Winnipeg, which was simply an outstanding army unit in every regard. And everything that you could possibly associate with a, with a top-notch operational unit was, was present there throughout my seven years. Leadership was good. Uh, relationship between the officers and senior NCOs was spectacular. Culture was great, and and it was reinvigorating. And and as you know, all, all that negative press and public opinion turned around, and we are where we are today. But it's important not to forget the the, the hard uh, the hard ninety. Exactly. Yes. And then lastly, and I, and I think your other guests have mentioned this, and anyone who's lived through it would, would probably share, I, I've lost far too many friends and comrades in Afghanistan on other recent missions. I have been on the tarmac in Trenton for repatriation ceremonies way too often, done too many next-of-kin notifications, and, and seen friends, veterans that have been wounded and how they and their families suffer. And, I'm sure this has challenged the belief of many. To overcome this, I remember at the time, and I still go back to it, is reflecting on on the Army ethos and and talking to others and the basics of what it means to serve, really, the unlimited liability and potential that we might have to pay the ultimate sacrifice. And, And the inspiration that anyone could possibly need would come from the family of the fallen. Uh, You should see in Trenton the strength that those families had and their conviction, and then the outpouring of support you'd see from the Canadian public that was also sort of gives a a fellow some strength and makes you think, yes, it is worth it. As as tough as it is, uh, this is a great way to serve your country and to live your life. And again, it was, I think, being around others uh, that sort of helped me keep the faith and even up till today i just uh, look for ways now to continue to contribute to an institution that i was fortunate enough to be part of for so long and has uh, given so much to me excellent is there anything else you'd like to say 
I really appreciate your initiative here. I think it's a it's a great uh, it's a great thing that you're doing, and I think it's a great way to capture uh, what military history is uh, nowadays. A little bit more modern uh, approach to looking back. It will be interesting to see when everything comes together the the common threads that makes it Canadian military history. So well, well done to you. Thanks for your help and thanks for your support. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at mikelacroixcmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. End tag music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike Lacroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike Lacroix Production.